Good morning, friends. This is Pastor George here at the office of Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. It's snowing out this morning. Just actually just getting started. It's not snowing terribly heavily, but uh, it's enough to make things white and beautiful. Praise God. God has opened the storm door to allow water and snow to come our way, which is so so terribly needed here in California. Praise God, this is December 26th, the last Sunday of 2021. Some would say, well, I'm glad this year's coming to an end and looking forward to a new one. I, I kind of feel that way. The year went by so fast, I, 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 I don't know if I can say, well, I'm glad it's coming to an end. It, it like just blew by me. I, I can hardly believe that we're at 2022 already. You know, like some old guys say, if I'd known I'd lived this long, I'd have took a whole lot better care of myself. Well, that's kind of the way I feel. Um, but God is good, and he's preserved me and kept me here for just this time. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. We're finishing up the book of Acts today, uh, Acts 28. I almost hate to see that go. It's been a wonderful adventure going through the life and times of the Apostle Paul and seeing how the acts of the Holy Spirit has changed everything, how he has operated and operates in our lives today. I hope you have a wonderful new year. I hope you're anticipating and looking forward to great things to come. I know we live in difficult times, but God is still in control. He's still got your back. Heaven is real, and that's what we're striving for. He promised that he will get us there safely and soundly, and we will. God bless you. Praise God. I will be seeing you in the new year after today. Sorry, I accidentally cut that off. I didn't mean to do that. I need to keep my fingers to myself. Anyway, what I was about to say uh, before I so rudely shut off the recording is that I'm not going to be here next week. Uh, my wife and I are heading down to Southern California to be with her family. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, you know, we should pray that we have a safe trip down there. Leaving in a storm is never a good idea, but I think it'll be fine. Just heading down Highway 99. Anyway, my brother Jim Reville will be here next week. He's covering for me. He always does a fabulous job. And I'll be back right after him on the second uh, Sunday of January. Praise God. Happy New Year, all my friends and loved ones out there. God bless. We'll see you soon. Well, we're in the final chapter. We've been at this for 28 weeks. Actually, we went through the book of John when we started last year. We started with the book of John. And from there, we thought, well, that was so good. Why don't we just continue on? We went right into Acts. So where are we going from here? I don't know. When we go on our little vacation for Joe to see her family, I'm praying the Lord will open that and put it in my heart. This is where I want you to go. Um, it's interesting how Luke decides not to really end the story. You'll notice there, there is no real ending to this thing. We, he never stands before uh, Nero here, in, recorded in, in Luke's writings. 
and he's blessed in a rented home and ministering the gospel. He does this for about two years. Eventually, he does get rearrested after his basically his fourth missionary journey to Spain and Rome and all that area. But it's not recorded in the Bible. In order to see what's really happened to the Apostle Paul's life, we have to go to other historical writings to find out kind of what happened. And I was saying, Lord, why is that? You know, it's like it's watching that series. You guys remember, yeah, you old guys do, remember we were watching Dallas on TV, okay, and they would end the series, they shot JR. Who shot JR? And you have to wait for, you know, what, six, eight months before that comes on, and then we get to find out who shot, you know. Well, that's kind of like what he's done here. Luke's just kind of ended it, and we're going, well, what happened? You know, I say, Lord, why? And he says, because the story's not finished. You're writing it. It's in your life. We're carrying the story on in our very own lives. Miraculous things that are happening that God is using and working through us, changing our world. You think your life has no significance? Oh, contraire. Every one of us, every one of you are so significant in your world. Well, what do you mean my world? Oh, the people I'll never see. The people you know, relatives you have, family you have, and friends and neighbors and things that I'll never see, I'll never know. That's your world. And you make a difference in that world, and you need to know that. So let's jump into Acts 28, verse 1. It says, now, when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. These experienced sailors would certainly have known the island Malta, but not from this side of the island. Almost all the traffic to Malta had come to the main port, which is on the other side, and they didn't recognize where they were at. They had no idea when they landed where they were at. You got to remember the storm that they were in. This was 14 days of gut-wrenching weather. They couldn't eat. They couldn't drink. They were sick. They were wet. They were cold. Um, I would have thrown myself overboard. I went through one day of seasickness. And Tim Huckabee's not here for me to pick on him some more because I'm never going to let him live it down. He took me deep sea fishing on a bad weather day. Never been on the ocean before. And it was a smaller boat. Whew. I, I, I never made it off where I was sitting. I was so sick the whole time. They couldn't get enough plastic bags to me. Um, it was horrible. And I, I imagine going through that for 14 days and not being able to see the sky, not knowing where you're at. And yet Paul was in the middle of God's will for his life. So don't you think, just because you're a Christian, you shouldn't be suffering these things. Au contraire. We do suffer these things. And we have to hold our faith together. Verse 2 says, And the natives showed us unusual kindness. Remember last week we talked about you got to pay attention to the little things? The little things. Because even throughout this incredible storm, there were little things that, that happened that it was God protecting them. 
For they kindled a fire and they made us welcome. These are the natives here on this island because of the rain that was falling and because it was cold. It was bitter cold. Luke wrote some, as someone who was experienced in this, he was experiencing it and he's writing it. He was there. Both the kindness of the multi-natives and the cold and wet storm. And by the way, Malta, you know what that name means? Refuge. Very appropriately said, right? It means refuge. Verse 3, but when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Stop there for a second. The Apostle Paul, the writer of nearly all the New Testament, the books of the New Testament, a great, incredible, mighty man of God, is gathering sticks for the fire to care for the 276 sailors and and prisoners and guards and all the people that are on a ship. You know, don't you think there were plenty of people that could be gathering six? But who's doing it? The Apostle Paul. It just shows you his heart. He has a heart of service and wants, wants people to be comfortable and wants to care for them. And, and he's, he shouldn't even have been carrying sticks around, but he is. He is. A great man, the great man. And a viper came out because of the heat, and fastened him, fastened on his hand. Oh my goodness, he just went through two weeks of literal hell on the sea. Two weeks of torture. And now a viper jumps out and grabs him on the hand, and he's standing there, hold, what would you say, Jim? I, I, I know me, I, I knew me. I'd be saying, oh, what's this, God? I'm pastoring your church. I'm taking care of your people. What is going on? A viper biting me? What is going on? I've had enough of this. I've had enough. Not the Apostle Paul. He was gathering wood for the fire, even though there were probably plenty of other people who could have been doing it. So when the natives, verse 4, when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom thought he had escaped the sea. Yet justice does not allow him to live. That's really pretty interesting. Verse 5, but he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Paul didn't let it bother him. He He didn't let his inner princess come out and Tell everybody what he thinks because it's all about him. He didn't worry about it all. He didn't scream. He didn't say, why God? Can't you see I'm doing everything here for you, for your purpose, your plan? These lazy people, they could have been gathering the wood, but you know, you have me, you put it on my heart. He, he, he didn't do any of that. Paul's reaction seemed to be calm and unconcerned. And he shook the creature off into the fire. Verse 6. However, they expected that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he must be a god. This is incredible. 
You know, what an opportunity for ministry for Paul. He just opened the door to talk to these natives on the island. They weren't on the main port side. They were on the back side of the island. And these guys were, I'm sure, in awe. This is amazing. This is amazing. See, God didn't preserve Paul from the storm just to let him perish by a snake. He was protected. It was promised that he would go to Rome and bear witness to him, to Jesus Christ. You've seen that in Acts 23. And Paul wasn't in Rome yet. It wasn't that, you know, nothing was going to stop Paul. Then it was that God's promise was you're going to go to Rome. Verse 7, in that region there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. I don't know if that's correct pronunciation, but that's what we'll call him, Publius. Who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. God is still blessing them and, and taking, giving them a chance to recover. This was a great blessing in contrast to the misery they've had for the past couple of weeks. God gave Paul, Luke, and Arstarchus a chance of relief and replenishment. In verse 8, it says, And it happened that the father of Publius laid sick of fever and dysentery. And Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. This is interesting. Did you guys realize Paul had a healing ministry? Did we ever hear anything about Paul laying hands and healing the sick? Peter, John, some of the others. But Paul here just takes it and says, hey, God heals. God can heal. God healed this man, yet it happened only through the willingness and activity of Paul. God did the work. But Paul made himself ready and available for the work. Soon the work that Paul did went out to many others. They heard about this healing. And customary, this healing in these days, it was called something different. It was, it was considered that it was, it was a medical condition that was brought and healed. And it's interesting that Luke is a medical doctor. So Luke's probably on the field working with these people, telling them how to be healed, as well as God working through the hands of Paul and Luke, healing people. What an amazing time that this was. Verse 9 says, So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. This is just amazing to me. This is what revival looks like. People being saved. And people being healed. We pray for a revival. This is what it looks like. People coming to know the Lord and God's people reaching out and touching others and praying for healing. Verse 10 says, They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Isn't this interesting how God takes care of them? You know, whatever, they, they didn't have anything. The boat was a complete loss. It was nothing but lumber floating on the sea. It, was, it ran into that, that, that rocks and it was, just, it was destroyed. It was gone. The, the load was already gone. They had nothing. Verse 11 says, after three months, 
We sailed in an Alexandrian ship. Do you remember what kind of ship they were in? The same one as an Alexandrian ship. This is a different one whose forehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered on the island. I'm sure just on the other side in the main port of the island is where this ship had wintered. It's what they would have liked to have done had they had stayed in Fair Havens, but you know, these sailors didn't want to stay there. The twin brothers, actually, I was reading a little bit on that, and, and what it refers to is uh, the sons of Zeus, and there was a set of twin boys. I can't think. Who is, who is that other Greek god? Zeus and Hermes? Ramus and Remus, or something like that. That's what these, these, these boys were uh, that were on this ship being displayed. Verse 12 says, And landing at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Okay, 13. I thought I had a map, but maybe that's coming up in a minute. For there we called around and reached to, reached, somebody help me with that name, Regum. Rigum, and after one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Petoli. Let's see, is the slide, is the map on the next slide? Okay, go ahead and go to that one. It's really hard to see. The little place where the little yellow place up in the corner is Sicily, and it goes up, and there's a little like a, almost a river that goes through and they're going up towards Italy and they're working their way up. So they, they ran, they're in Syracuse now and they're going following that Syracuse Island up is where they're at. They're on their way to Rome and they're heading that way. So verse 14 says, and we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. So they found brethren. This is really pretty interesting. Verse 15, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appi, Forum, and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Why would Paul take courage? Because the gospel has made it to Rome, even without Paul. You know, that's what Paul's job is God's called him. He's going to go to Rome to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Rome, but it's already there. It had gotten there before. All the way back in chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, there were people there from Rome that heard this great thing and saw the action of the Holy Spirit, and they took it back. They took the gospel back to Rome with them. So Paul isn't the first one to bring the gospel to the Rome, to Rome, but they had also heard about Paul, and they wanted to meet him and, and find out all that he had to say. He had been writing letters this whole time. Luke is far from giving the impression that Paul was the first person to bring the gospel to Rome. The presence of those Christians, which he calls brethren, as Luke called them, provides evidence that the gospel reached Rome already. There were Jewish people from Rome at present, at Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Let's go to verse 16. Verse 16, now when they came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to a certain guard, but Paul permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. So Paul is like house arrest. He's, he's got his own guard. They would work six hours and they'd rotate and he'd have a different guard. That would be with him for six hours. He was in chains and I would guess that they probably took chains off while he was home. 
I, I don't know if he went to sleep with these chains on, but they liked Paul. And they were, they were doing well taking care of Paul. Now, at the very end of the book, the apostle comes to Rome. Thus, Jesus' prophecy that his disciples would be witnesses to the, to the ends of the earth, at least to the ends of the earth that they knew. Paul come to Rome, the city expected for the, existed for almost at this point 800 years. The famous Colosseum has not been yet built, but prominent buildings and the temple of Jupiter and the palaces of Caesar, the temple of Mars, the god of war. At the time, Rome had a population of 2 million slaves and a million free, some 3 million people. Society had divided to roughly three classes, the small upper class, the large class of poor, and of course slaves. Not far different than what it is today. Verse 17, and it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together, and he had come together and said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against the people or the custom of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Verse 18, who then, they examined me and wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. Verse 19, but when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had done anything which would accuse my nation, Paul followed his consistent practice of getting to the Jews first. You notice that? That he calls the Jews together. He doesn't just go to the Gentiles in the land. He goes to the Jews. And he starts ministering to them and explaining himself. It took him only three days to have this meeting with the leader of the Jews. And they're now in Italy, near Rome. Verse 20. For this reason, therefore, I have called you to see you and to speak with you. Because the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Because for the hope of Israel. Verse 21, then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judah concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who have come reported or spoken any evil of you. They didn't know what was going on with Paul in Rome. You know, it's not like they could turn the TV on and see what the news is going on over in you know, on the other side of their world, like we have today, they had no idea what was going on. This demonstrates that, that the religious leaders who accused Paul in Jerusalem and Caesarea knew their case was hopeless, and they made no effort to send ahead documents confirming their case against him. I kind of agree with that statement. Verse 22 but we desire to hear from you and what you think. Because they go on to say, for concerning this sect, you know what they're talking about, those Christians, that, that sect of Christians, we want to know what you think about that. He said, this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. People are talking against the Jewish people, against these Christians and what's going on. Though they did not know anything about Paul, they had heard that Christianity was unpopular among some, 
being spoken against everywhere, they should be complimented on wanting to hear the story from Paul himself. They, they wanted to know. They want to know, Paul, what do you think? So what do you think, before we go on with the story, do you think they all accepted what he had to say? They're speaking to Jews. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. When he began, let's, let's go on with the story. You'll see what happens. Verse 23, so when they had appointed him a day, he had come, many had come to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. You guys remember how long Paul could talk. We had that guy that fell out of, you know, fell asleep out of the third story and fell down and died, and Paul had to raise him back to life. So we know that Paul has the ability. And what had must have been a wonderful time of teaching, Paul spoke of the kingdom of God and gave an exhaustive study of how the Old Testament spoke of Jesus from morning till evening. Let's look at verse 24. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. Remember, these are his family. These are Jewish brothers and sisters. And the same thing you have to realize when you're sharing your story. Not everybody's going to believe. Some people will walk away. And I don't want you to get discouraged at that point and go, what's the point of me telling you? They just, they just walk away. They say, I'm nuts. I'm just another religious nut in everybody's eyes. Don't worry. Not everybody's going to believe. Not everybody's going to accept what you have to say to be true. Not every, there are people that will say, nothing good can come from Tuolumne when you tell them about your church. You know, there are people that are just that way. They're not, everybody's going to say, you're not going to save the world. Only Jesus Christ can do that. We do our part. And some will believe and some will disbelieve. Paul understood the prophet that Isaiah prophesied of their hardness of heart. Certainly Paul was happy that some received the gospel, but was undoubtedly distressed if even one of them rejected Jesus. But he, he also realized it and knew this was going to happen. Verse 25. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers. Now he's going to quote Isaiah. Saying, Verse 26, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Verse 28, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. Believe me, that turned them on their ears. That, that upset them. There's no quiet. He, he, they're walking away saying, what, you're saying we're the hardness of heart? Yes, 
That's exactly, and it's what the prophet Isaiah, that you studied, that you know, it's what he said. I'm not saying it, he said it, and this is you. Hmm. And when he had said these words, verse 29, they had departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Paul here was quoting Isaiah, but Jesus also quoted this several times. You remember hearing that? in John and in Matthew. So I read these accounts just to see, because I can remember as a, a younger Christian, I wasn't terribly young when I came back to serve the Lord, but younger than I am now. I can remember reading this thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't want them to see with their eyes or hear with their ears so they can understand. And if they understand, I would heal them. What a God... You're kind of working against yourself here, aren't you, by saying those words? But let's look at Matthew's, and this is Jesus speaking. And I took it out of the Amplified Bible. Is that okay with you guys? Because the Amplified Bible just made it so clear to me. And I, I've discovered this long before now, but now I see it and I see it clearly. Verse 14, Matthew 13, verse 14 in them the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will hear and keep on hearing, but never understand. And you will look and keep on looking, but never comprehend. There's some people that just will not, they refuse. They absolutely refuse to hear and understand to see and believe. Verse 15 says, For this nation's heart has grown hard, and their ears they hardly hear, and they have tightly closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, and they would hear with their ears, and they would understand with their heart and turn to me. It's a hard thing. You would understand with your heart, I am wrong. I have been the one that's rejecting God, not God rejecting me. It's me. It's in me. This is what he was saying. He said, and I would heal them spiritually. I would heal them spiritually. Verse 16 says, but blessed, spiritually aware and favored by God, are your eyes because they see and because your ears because they hear thank you Jesus Jesus just gave you a compliment this was for you because you see and you hear and you're willing to admit I'm a sinner and I can't do this without you God Amen. I can't do it I cannot do it now we're going back to Acts 28, verse 30 says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. He's in prison. He's under house arrest. But he's free. And he's doing an incredible work in, in Rome. And he's writing letters to all the different churches that he had planted. Verse 31, 
preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, and no one, no one in Rome was forbidding him. So does that sound like the end of the story to you? That's the last chapter. I mean, that's the last verse in, in the chapter. A lot has happened. There's a lot of things you can go online. You can type in the Apostle Paul, what happened, and, and you, you'll dig up historical writings. There's a lot of things that have been said. It's not known by Paul's companion, Luke, the author of Acts, of when the end of the book actually came. And well, that's why I say it hasn't. It's still living on. It's still working in you and me. We're still there. We're still preaching the gospel. We're still, you know, reaching out to others. It's still happening. The story is still moving on. It's nowhere near ended. Yeah, you can find we're near the end. Paul was writing in 2 Timothy. It's like I'm being poured out. Because he, at this point, when he wrote 2 Timothy, he was in a dungeon in Rome, and Nero was about to have him finally killed because he was arrested again, I'm sure, causing stir between the Jews and the Christians and all the things that were going on. Nero finally was getting to the point where he was going to try to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth. That was coming, and it's not talked about in our word of God, but it happened. Just like Hitler's not in our word of God, but it happened, amen? And he was going to try to wipe the Jewish people out because he was sick and tired of this fighting, the infighting. And the Jewish people were raising up saying, we don't need to be under Roman rule. And millions and millions of them died. But it's not recorded in our Bible. But there are places you can find hints of what Paul was going through. Like when he said in Timothy that he's, he knows his time is coming to an end. He knows that this is happening. And I'm not afraid to die. He was willing to die for the faith much before this. In his letters to Philemon, Paul was confident that he would be able to return to Asia Minor to see Philemon to prepare a guest room for me is what he said because of the hope uh, to be restored to you to answer to your prayers. So for a long time he had hope. He wasn't planning on dying. But then later it turns a little dark when we get into First and Second Timothy. So here it ends the adventures of Paul with the book of Acts is where we're at. And like I'm telling you, it's not ended at all. Now where we go when I get back from our little, I can't wait to get Joe down to see her family. She's been really kind of almost a heartache because she hasn't been able to be with them this Christmas. So I'm really looking forward to getting her down there and but the whole time I want to be praying and say, Lord, where would you like to go? I mean, I've been thinking about diving into the book of Romans and continue on. The sequence, it isn't exactly, we go from Acts to Romans, but it didn't actually happen that way. Or we could go to Timothy and look towards the end. I'm not sure. Or the Lord may take me a whole different direction. I don't know. You guys be praying with me of what the Lord would have us to study. Have you guys enjoyed this study? I mean, I have. This has been, and you know, no matter how many times you read the Word of God, did you go back and study something again? It, it becomes new, and it becomes revived. That's the living Word of God. That's what it does. It becomes powerful. It's His. Tony, could you come back? and If we get out of here a little early, I don't think anybody would complain. 
Not at all. It's not so snowing right now, so it's a good time to go home. Maybe we should take off and get off this hill, huh? I don't know, we'll see. We'll try to figure it out. But before we go, Happy New Year, guys. Um, you know what, I've got, I've got, Jason, would you come up here and help me? I, I have something, I have a gift that I've been meaning, and I've given one of these to all my pastor friends. And they've absolutely loved This is something I purchased on my own. I wouldn't recommend giving it to your kids, but give each person one of those. I carry one around in my pocket. It's a little pocket knife. It says on it, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. Yeah, take one, Marty. It is the handiest thing to have. Ladies, you can put it on your keychain or you can put it in your purse. I gave one to Pastor Jack and he's, he, he, he texts me like a week later. He goes, thank you, thank you, thank you for that pocket knife. I've used it about three times. And I said, great. I said, you're not using the corkscrew on it, are you? And he says, yeah, but you do know it has two church keys. You guys remember what a church key is? Yeah, only us old guys know what a church key is. There's two of them on there. One of them technically is a can opener. But I wanted you to have one, just something from me to you. It was kind of fun when I saw them and ordered them. You're very welcome. Yes, put one in your purse and... guys got a big enough family you better grab a few of them huh but before we go home I want the opportunity to to pray with you if you need prayer I'll have Tony kind of lead us in something worshipful and while we're doing that if you need prayer if your kids need prayer if your family needs prayer um come and get prayed for it's important it's very biblical to come and ask the elders to pray over you 